It is Wednesday, June 7th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. Back with me, fresh off a second vacation, is Jared Smolin. Joining us today is our guest, David Zock. If you're not already following him on Twitter, at David Zock. 16 that's z-a-c-h then you should be he's the creator of fantasy z-score model um you can access his freaks in the spreadsheets guide for free through twitter right now david i was surprised to see that today i'm wondering if there's something going wrong over there and you're accidentally giving this away so thanks for joining us and please tell me if that's a mistake or if that's on purpose no i just wanted to get it out there help help as many people out as i can and kind of just dabble into the full guide scene it's my first year doing it didn't think it was right to be charging people on the first uh, experimental year but yeah feedback has been great so far got ranking is in there best ball strategy full team projections uh rookie dynasty rankings stuff like that so it was a blast to put together it was a lot of work though i think that sucker is like 87 pages long so no it's been fun that's how you can tell a true fantasy geek is they describe putting together something that's 87 pages as a blast. <laughs> I asked my wife to read through it. She goes, I don't know if I can do it. Sorry, hon. Like, I understand. <laughs> Nobody in my house watches any of our videos or reads any of my articles. So right. I can understand that. Um, what? Tell us a little bit about your fantasy Z-score model. Yeah, so I've been, uh, over the years, I've been putting together um, a lot of metrics that I think matter most for projecting out a rookie on the dynasty landscapes or multi-year career. Typically look at a three-year window, years one through three for running backs, years two through four for wide receivers. And as time goes on, my my database has gotten bigger and I, I try to keep it at current, you know, five to seven years in the past because I don't want old stats and they're influencing things wrong. But I've been keeping up to that well and I kind of give a great assignment for each category, whether it's market share on their senior year in college or how much a running back works in the receiving room and stuff like that. And I put them all together, breakout age, and it list goes on and on. Uh, film grade, adding that in there was a big one. That, that really helped the model overall. So that's something that I think was missing from the fantasy landscape for a long time is having actionable data off of film grades. A lot of people just say, look at how this guy cuts and he's so good in this way. But if you don't have a number to it, I don't know what that means. A number or a ranking, right? Both work. So I've started incorporating that from the Dynasty Nerds Nerd score. They have a film score. They do Scouts Inc., um, NFL.com, Lancer Line. He has he has great film scores. So just kind of putting it all together. And it's been, it's been doing well from a, a rookie standpoint. Had a rough go here with injuries. So hoping to get back on top with it uh, this summer this upcoming year and everyone stays healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're certainly always fans of putting numbers of things, right, Jared? Yeah. David speaks my language. You know, he's a, he's a projections guy. He's he, honestly one of my, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. And I learn a lot from the stuff he does and we go back and forth on projection stuff throughout the offseason. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. We are gathered today primarily to draft a team together for the underdog best ball mania Four tournament, a record, $3 million top prize, of course, this year. Greatly expanded regular season prize structure. If you want some free money to play on Underdog Now, you can use promo code DRAFTSHARKS to get your first deposit matched up to $100. So that's a bunch of free entries, especially... You know, if you're not into Best Ball Mania, if that's too high an entry point for you, Puppy 2 is also available, $5 per entry. So if you get $100 free to play with on there, that's 20 free entries. Again, promo code is DraftSharks. That field is also smaller than BBM4, and there's going to be more tournaments coming throughout the summer. But David, like I said, we're talking about Best Ball Mania today. It's a 
ginormous field. It's a 150 max entry tournament. How many entries are you planning to put into this particular tournament on underdog? Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to max. It'll be my first year maxing out a tournament. I'm 72 drafts deep right now in it. So I've been going a little heavy earlier here. I think I have a, a pretty good edge with uh, starting projections out and I, I've gone through them a lot and have my playoff schedule and everything like that, that I kind of blend all together and uh, points over replacement. So I, th I think I know where some good edges are and I want to be in before uh, all the ADP starts jumping around. It's already shifting quite a bit. Yeah, I like getting ahead of those movements. I think when August comes, everyone's drafting at the same spot. So there's no super edge. You have a lot more information, but you're sacrificing any ADP changes. So yeah. there is a balance, but uh yeah, it's it's it'll be a fun process. How about you guys? Are you both gonna max it out? I will max it out. I don't have the time to max it out. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I do if I wanted to lose sleep, but um, now I'll probably get up to around fifty entries. Is, is my plan? I'm focused on the super flex tournaments on underdog this year. Not there's not currently one open. I did get a bunch into the last one. I'm waiting for another one to come out. I don't have any insight into when it's coming, but I'm assuming it is because they ran multiple last year. So that's where I'm finding the edge. BBM's not quite in my wheelhouse. I'm with you though, David, on drafting earlier being better. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Haven't the last two BBM champs drafted those teams been drafted in June? I that's think right. that's right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think uh, King Capital and Pat Corrine, right? And then, uh, yeah, uh, Chess Liam. Or... Yeah, Liam. I, yeah. I think they were all June drafts, which, you know, it's a that doesn't necessarily mean that's the time of draft. But I think it does make sense. Like you said, I do think the ADP gets more efficient the closer we get to the season. Right. And I saw recently there were, po there were stats posted on Twitter that it was something like 88 or 89% of the finalists came from august drafting but that's also when that amount of the overall drafts were happening so it's right. not that you're more right. likely to make it to the finals if you draft late it's that that's when more people were drafting so that's when more went in it looks like your chances at least based on last year's results are not greater or lesser depending on where you draft in the calendar so you'll you'll hear some people say you got to wait and draft closer because those are the teams that make it through hasn't proved to be true. There are certainly different edges to um, go after I, yeah. in either spot. I, I even think it, it might be true that you're more likely to advance out of your league in August. Cause I think you're more likely to build good teams, but I think your chance to build that super team that wins this whole thing that beats out, you know, 700,000 other teams or whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's, you have a better chance early when you can get those massive values and again, and build that super team. That's right. Yeah. DJ Hernandez with a uh, four for four was doing a lot of, interesting work on that and you saw the volume spike just like you said matt and you get to august you know it goes parabolic and all the entries so it makes sense that you know a lot of the finalists comes from there that's just the majority of the draft so right now david i saw the other day that you said it wasn't didn't surprise me to see that you're in on tyler lockett i think that's somebody that we <laughs> generally agree about but what jumped out to me is you said i told myself i didn't want to go over 25 percent on a player this early in the year now to me, to my thinking, it seems like this is the time of year when it's okay to go higher because it will even out as ADPs shift as we get closer to the season. Why Why are you not wanting to get that high on a player right now? And by saying this early in the year, does that mean that as we get closer, you're more willing to go above that threshold? Yep. So, yeah, that's the most common pushback I get on my you know, abstract 25% number I set for myself is that, you know, things are going to change over time and you're going to be able to balance out different builds. But I got burned so bad the last two years from injury. Like I had Wandell Robinson at 45%, you know, 
over $700 and across all leagues on him. And he went out for just an enormous chunk. I had 35% Lamar Jackson and he missed the most important time of the year. So I just promised myself I'd never get that high or at least that early again. You know, I'm probably going to want to stay 30% under 30% all the way to the end. But as it gets closer to August, I'm going to kind of throw out a lot of my rules because ADP will have shifted so much. And then it's, it's just going to be a completely different draft room. So I'm just going to try to get my guys as much as I can in the in the late later drafts. But yeah, just kind of protecting myself and the risk I'm going to allow for myself. Yeah. Because if you map out all the payouts, you know, it's a it's a net negative return on portfolio building for best ball. They take the rake, it's top heavy. So if you factor all that in, you can kind of see what the average or median loss is. And then that's the number you can kind of set for yourself. And that's that's if you do exactly average or if that's you do exactly like everyone else, your payback's going to be, you know, minus 12 bucks a draft on these BBMs almost. So <laughs> I, that's, I think I have an edge. So that's why I'm going heavy. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's the risk tolerance, I guess, I set for myself. Yeah. And I, I think if you're drafting a ton of best balls, you should be looking at exposures and th- yeah, the number to stay under is up to you kind of you know whether it's 40 percent or 30 percent or 25 percent like that that's how risky you want to get but i do think there's some number you should aim to stay at now i i am i think i think maybe closer to what matt was alluding to where in these early drafts i want to kind of press what i think are my advantages so someone like tyler lockett who is still to me way underpriced and i think oh, as we get sure. into august he's going to climb an adp and be priced more correctly so in drafts now, I'm not saying I'm taking him in every draft, but I'm, I'm willing to get, you know, above 50% unlock it now. And then, you know, when July and we get into August, I'll start backing off him as his ADP, you know, I assume is going to, is going to get more efficient. So just going off of that, you could, you could live with it if you're at 50% and in practice, you know, something serious happens, like that's mm-hmm. something you're, you're okay with out of six round prick or that's as roughly as price now, fifth round six. You mean, you mean like if some, if he goes down and like, August with a, like a camp injury or something. Cause, cause, right. like, cause like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm willing to take that risk again. Like by the end of drafts, by the time I get my 50 drafts in, I don't want to have 50% title locket, you know, maybe 35, 40% title okay. locket. Um, but again, I'm just saying now early when I think his price is as, is as cheap as it's going to be, that's when you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to take as, mu- as much as I can get at this current price. Yep. That's the, that's the common theme I'm hearing. So, so maybe I need to rethink my strategy here a little bit, but I would say it's very specific to players and situations too. I mean, I think it's a good uh, general rule, but there might be a few guys and certainly the later you get in a draft, the easier it is to go higher on a guy because if you're taking somebody a lot in round 14, you're not losing a whole lot. If he gets hurt in that early August practice. True. Yep. So we'll jump into a draft here in a few minutes. David, what has been your focus as you draft? Like in each individual draft, what are you focused on as it goes? Uh, roster construction is the biggest thing for me. <clears throat> you know, you can you can have all the player takes in the world, but if you don't build your roster right, uh, none of it matters. Like people taking, you know, three early quarterbacks and that crazy stuff you see right now. It's just they they have dead teams and they're, they're not going to make it. So roster construction is super important. And you can look at historical winning teams. And I think the average build of the winning teams in the top 20 BBMs and puppies, I put them all together, is 2.3 quarterbacks, 5.3 running backs, uh, 7.6 wide receivers, and 2.3 tight ends. So roughly a, a 2.583 or 2.592 build. So 
staying around that and then adjusting it according to the quality over quantity. I think Peter over over that said that best. It's you're either taking quality or quantity out of position. So if you get elite quarterback, you know, you only need two. And if you're fading quarterback, you need three. So just simple stuff like that, putting it all together, but just being very aware of it. A lot of people kind of throw it out the window I see in drafts and, you know, to each their own, right? It's, it's their money, but I think I think they're wasting a lot of money just not paying too paying attention to a very simple edge you can have just by looking historically, even the years before that, it was very similar roster build wise. For sure. I think that it's pretty easy, especially if you're maxing out, it's easy to throw away a team here or there on something just, you know, strange that you think if I hit it, then it's not going to be duplicated by somebody else in the field. But I think that it would be a big mistake for anybody who's, you know, farther short of maxing out to to think that with even just a single entry into the tournament, because more likely it's not getting you anything. And even, right. even when you're getting strange, like get strange in a way that makes sense. Like, yes. you know, don't take a tight end through 13 rounds and then you know, build a four tight end team. You know, that's strange, but it kind of makes sense. Again, going back to the quantity over you know quality thing, you're not spending any early round picks on tight ends, but you're spending four late ones. You know, that's strange, but at least theoretically it, it could work. That's funny you mentioned that. I did my first one before tight end build exactly that method this morning. No joke. It, it seems like a good seems like a good year to do it. It does. You know, there's Who a lot of tight ends. Uh, Higby, I think he's flirting along that line. Conklin, um, Noah Fant, and I forget the fourth one. But <laughs> that's, another late flyer. That's one, the appropriate right? answer. It should be somebody that you don't remember. <laughs> right. <laughs> So in case anybody who is watching or listening is not familiar, these are the, this is the the setup for um, BBM for 12 person drafts, 18 rounds, half PPR scoring. The lineup is one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end flex, um, eight lineup spots. That is 18 roster spots. So that's what you're building from. Those are the numbers that David was given before um, for that whole roster construction thing. Jared, what has been your typical roster construction within those confines yeah it's pretty close to what you know david had said two two five nine two with you know one or two of those spots being flexible based on you know where i think i need the most help as i get towards the end of drafts and david what has been uh, like what are the edges besides what you've mentioned so far what other edges are you seeing as you try to draft these i think there's obviously projection edges so we build out our projections right and we see clear differences versus adp on where they're valuing you know like david montgomery i think is going to get a much larger share than he's giving credit for at adp right now for example um and then the other ones are playoff scheduling because not everyone pays attention to week 15 and 16 i know week 17 kind of generated a ton of buzz lately and and that's that's gaining more steam Yep. So this is uh, this is something I use for every draft. I pull it up, see the matchups, and I'm not just focusing on week 17. I have one for week 17 isolated as well that kind of kind of goes over this. But I'm looking at all the matchups um, on this matchups and motion sheet. You can see the implied totals. Those are from my projections and their matchups. And then I took consensus rank or consensus defense ranks to see who's going to allow the most points this year or is most likely because I'm not a defense expert like you, Matt. You probably have a better feel for your own projections on that one. David, David, sorry to interrupt. Our, our draft is, is fired up and we're on the clock at pick four here. Guys oh, my like, goodness. Guys like, guys like Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, or Travis Kelsey? I like Cup or Kelsey, personally. Cup for me. Um, it is. Yeah, 
Jared liked to jump in quietly behind us so that he could um, make his bets and start things off. Um, so yeah, we are jumped into a BBM four draft now on um, underdog. You can see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, um, Jared has the sidebar up. He has synced his draft with the draft sharks war room. So that gives you the sidebar as you're drafting shows you the players um, that we would recommend taking every turn when it comes up. So sync your underdog draft, you'll get that same thing in the draft room. Certainly helps you to keep up with, um, you know, top picks, not have to toggle between that and a draft yeah. war room as you draft, right, Jared? Yeah. 30 second clock for these. I mean, it flies. So like you said, not yeah. having to go back and forth between screens, having this up for you is, is a super, super help, helpful. That's why I got now, David, the you said two monitors cool. as well. Get yeah. get some of each on there. Definitely <laughs> yeah. a good setup. David, you said you were either Cooper Cup or Travis Kelsey on that one. Um, do you have those guys significantly ahead of Tyreek Hill? So <clears throat> I actually have Tyreek Hill higher for season-wise. Well, not than Cup, I guess. But uh, his playoff schedule for me on that chart you're just mm -hmm. showing is just brutal. Miami, Miami's uh, playoff gauntlet is just terrible. What do they got? The Jets? Uh, Ravens and well, they got the Ravens in week 17. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, Jets, Dallas, and then Ravens. So, you know, really good secondaries overall, very good defenses, too, right? So, mm -hmm. I that's why I shy away from him. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the, I, I, I'm going like 60 40 Tyreek Hill over Cup in that scenario. Um, okay. I, I do prefer. Hill straight up. And I guess to me, the playoff matchups aren't quite enough to, to bump cup in front for me. I do like the price on Matt Stafford though. I think oh, yeah. that's, that's a um, mark in cups favor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that's an interesting point, David. I wonder how much you let that affect your wide receiver picks earlier in the draft. Cause I know I wouldn't say that I would pick a wide receiver thinking that I'll be disappointed if I don't take his quarterback or necessarily planning to take his quarterback. But if I have several guys who are close together, it certainly does help me a bit in a best ball tournament to say, I know that I like the price on this quarterback. I know that it's going late. I know it's going to be pretty stackable. I'm going to take this and then see if I can get that guy later. Is that affecting your planning at all as you pick wide receivers? No, I guess the, the stacking part, you know, comes later. I just worry about the draft up front and then I, I, I take it as it comes later on. Cause, yep. um, you never know if someone's gonna, you know, just be a jerk and snipe to or Stafford or whatever, 30 picks ahead of ADP. So yep. I don't like that, to affect me too much. And, and I'm looking at to balance out my team anyway. And like you said, they got to have standalone value the way it is. They're a first round pick. So if I don't get the stack, you know, so be it, but that's that's been my kind of approach there. Yeah, and that's the first part of it is if not getting the quarterback is going to ruin you mentally for the team, then <laughs> it shouldn't impact your thinking. That's you got to start with a player who's worth drafting anyway. So we're almost back up on the clock uh, in round two. We did take Cooper Cup the first time around. You can see Jared's got Tony Pollard starred. I'm in favor of that. What about you, David? Yep, I like Pollard and or Higgins or Henry or Jacobs. I like all those. I'm a, I'm a big running back guy. I've, I'm pretty heavy on these first three rounds of uh, running yep. backs. My... Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think the running backs are the best bets here. Um, I think, you know, just based on ADP, obviously Henry and Jacobs could even get back to us in um, right. round three. So I think Pollard, Pollard's the pick here. Yeah. So when you say heavy on running backs there, how many are you typically taking in the first three rounds? 
I'm trying to come away with two pretty much every draft unless I objectively start out, you know, that I have zero RB in my mind or something like that or or elite tight end, elite quarterback. So I also think these elite quarterbacks were underpriced at the back of the second, let alone in the third. And I'm very, very high on Hertz this year. I think he's going to be the QB one. But uh, that's that's just my feel. How do you guys feel about the elite quarterbacks here? I yeah, did I not like them in round two, but I agree that once they get into round three, it, I've had a much easier time drafting them there. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and t- for me, it's really just based on the opportunity cost, right? What am I passing up on at the other positions to take one of those elite quarterbacks? And to me, like this range right here, like I, I love Pollard, so I, I wasn't, I wouldn't pass on him for an elite quarterback, you know, usually. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, but like once we get into this group of players, um, I'm definitely willing to, to pull the trigger on, you know, Hurts if he gets back to us here. Do you think uh, Dallas adds somebody? Do you think they bring Zeke back or something else? I think, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can go into the season with, you know, Rojo as your number two. Um, we had Derrick Henry but, and Jalen Hurts in our queue with our pick back up in round three. I, I, I don't have a favorite between them, honestly. I, I do love them both. So I like, I, I like Hurts. For just, I mean, just for the ADP value, right? We're getting them, you know, five picks yep. past ADP here. That's a nice build. Yep. I like it. All right. Can get behind a Cooper Cup, Tony Pollard, Jalen Hurts start for sure in this tournament where we need ultimate yeah. upside. What is it? The Fantasy Gazette as everyone takes a screenshot of their first three picks and says, "How awesome <laughs> is this team right now?" <laughs> I hope I hope it's awesome. Right. Um, Lamar, so Lamar Jackson continues to rocket up ADP. All rightfully so in my mind. He's my uh, second most owned quarterback. I think he's severely undervalued yet, but you think he's severely undervalued in round three still? Oh, I, I was I wasn't watching. I didn't see. He went right after Hertz there. Uh, no, he was when he falls to to the late third or anywhere past ADP, and I'm sitting there like I just I have to click him. I don't. I, I think you know top three is very easily in his range, if not you know top one, if things fall right, right? But yeah. I, I have Hertz projected there, but with the Everything new that's in the Ravens offense, I just love it. And I've always been a Lamar fan, too, and I'm obviously one of the biggest Rashad Bateman fans there is on the planet. But uh, So I think uh, I think he's going to do well with Monk in there and everything there changing. It's just everything's going to open up in my mind. So, you know, defense, you're going to have to pay attention to the wide receivers again. Bateman's healthy. Andrews is healthy. You got Beckham and Flowers now. There's just there's so much happening there. I'm, I'm really excited for their for their offense. Yeah, for me, the key point there is there's a lot that we don't know because they should be passing a lot more than they have been. And even if you look two years ago, they did pass a lot more than they did in the seasons around it. But this time they actually have a much better set of wide receivers. So between the wide receivers and the different offensive coordinator, there's like we we can project more passing. We can project the numbers based on the rates that we have from the past. But there's just so much unknown that I agree the the upside definitely runs all the way to top overall quarterback this year. Sure. I just hope they don't pass too much. <laughs> yeah, right. He still needs right. to run the ball. But exactly, exactly. Which I, I, don't, I don't think. I mean, I don't. He'll have runs coming off of those passes, though. I yeah, mean, even sure. passing more is not going to cut into his running too much. Um, so I, I wouldn't be concerned yeah. about that. I, I, it's an exciting offense. I, I wish that he weren't going as high as he is right now, just so he could still benefit. But he's one of those players that's a great um, 
vote in favor of doing these best ball drafts early because before Lamar got his contract with Baltimore, he was sitting way too far down, even though the upside's always been there. That's where a lot of my shares come. And it's funny you mentioned that. You used to be able to get Andrews uh, Lamar on the 3-4 or 4-5 turn even. Mm. And now they're a 2-3 turn if you want them both, pretty yeah. much. So and that, it, I mean, and that's, what we're, and that's what we're talking about with drafting early, right? Like That's right. And those those teams that got Lamar and Andrews in the you know, third and fourth or whatever, or fourth and fifth, you know, those are they're, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah. So no more quarterbacks have gone since Lamar Jackson followed our Jalen Hurts off the board. We did have five more running backs leave the board. Jared's Q has three wide receivers, one running back. Uh, David, how do you feel about Joe Mixon? Because I already know how Jared feels about Joe Mixon. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's he's he, even with the rise in ADP, I think he's moved up what 40, 50 spots or somewhat something like that. I'm, I'm still taking him. He could he could project as a third round pick pretty easily. Um, I'm very sheepish on uh, Christian Watson. I saw you had him in the queue. He's he's uh, he's one of those my no go buttons right really? now okay. in, in drafts. Why is, uh, why just with their with Jordan Love, I don't think we all know what we're getting. I think the offense yep. in general is going to be more low scoring. Um, and and you know they they didn't add much, right? Just just Jaden Reed, but Dobbs should should come up a little bit. But I think they're going to lean pretty heavy on their running backs, but. Uh, I think almost every player in their offense I, I project is overval- uh, overvalued. So that's more from my projections and them as a team in scoring. But uh, what, what's the bull case for him, for you? Just the big playability mostly? Yeah, and he goes off the board, so we don't got to worry about that. Let's let's uh, make our pick here, then I can talk about Watson. Um, so I, I, I would gamble that Mixon makes it back to us. What do you guys that's think? That's fair. I agree. And then, do you guys have a preference among these wideouts? I like McLaurin. I like McLaurin a lot. He's my he's my pick here normally. Terry McLaurin, while we're talking about him, he for me has been in my best ball drafts somebody that I, I'll take somebody and then I'm watching and he comes up like three picks later. And I'm like, man, I should have taken Terry McLaurin. I don't have enough of him yet because I just don't think of Washington enough. And I don't know exactly what his ceiling looks like this year because of the constant quarterback change. I, I want to like him more than I just kind of naturally do in draft. And he's somebody I'm trying to make myself draft more. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. So like, yeah, there, there's definitely uncertainty there, but he he's gone through it like every single year they flip flop quarterback. So that's a kind of a, something I tell myself to make me feel better about drafting him. Like even in the midst of quarterback chaos, every single year, he just puts up the same stat line just yeah. every single year. He's so reliable despite you know, can be co- terrible quarterback play, but I have no idea what Howell is or if Brissett's going to run away with it. Brissett's capable, I guess, of carrying an offense a little bit, right? Or not carrying, he's managing, he's dragging an Man- offense. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I think I think reliable is the perfect word for McLaurin. You just look at his profile over the last few years. Now, like the target shares have been super consistent. The yards per out run has been super consistent. Like I, I don't think he has like top 10 wide receiver upside and maybe that's you know an argument against him in a format like this but i do think he's like a super safe bet for like mid-level wide receiver two type of type of numbers right yep and i mean who knows maybe he does have that blow up touchdown season in him that's basically the difference between him and a a wide receiver one season right now matt look who just went at five three (laughs) Kadarius tony are you drafting two teams at least we won't need to argue about him in you know two rounds, which is where I would have started to consider him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do we like uh, do we like Nixon here? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. 
Yeah, I think he's easily ahead of Aaron Jones and J.K. Dobbins, who are still on the board. David, to your point about the Packers, I'm wary of that team in general, too. I need to get way into the draft before I actually – I, I hesitate to even say like, because there's no point in a draft where I look at a Packers player and I get excited about him. Right. Um, that's how, that's me, how I feel for me on Christian Watson, who we were talking about before. Most of us, I think headed into last year, skeptical of him. He waited into round two. He was an older breakout in college. He's an inconsistent player. And then he had this explosive stretch. And he, to me is somebody that we're doing a little bit too much of. This is the ceiling if he gets, you know, this percentage of the way to the ceiling over the course of a full season, he's going to be really good. And I think that there's just a bit more downside than is baked into that outlook on him. Yep. No, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, and he's he's what? He's wide receiver 20 on underdog ADP. And actually, I think it is, I want to say exactly where we have him ranked. So like I don't have him as, I don't view him as a big value. I think he's okay. If, you know, he's the top guy on my board. When he gets there, if he gets a few picks past ADP. I do think he has a pretty high ceiling. So I... I saw Watson as a you know boom bust prospect coming into the league. Like I wouldn't been surprised if he you know flamed out of the league in five years. But I obviously saw the the upside with his you know just size and and speed and athleticism. Um, and, I, and I do think what he showed last year has me leaning more towards you know the boom part of that. Um, it, it wasn't just the, the big playability and the touchdowns. It was the target earning ability, right? Like his targets per route run was super high. Um, so yeah, there obviously concerns with the offense with Rodgers no longer there, but I I, I am kind of in, you know, not all in, but I'm in-ish on, on Christian Watson as a player at this point. Gotcha. That was one thing I had in mind to ask you. I noticed you always cite uh, and, and the the efficiency metrics, and they're very good, but do your models and projections just incorporate those in? So a lot of times when I build a model, like I have a lot of things feeding it, right? Like stuff yeah. like you talk about, but you seem to lean heavier into efficiency metrics than, than most people. Is that, is that true? Yeah. I mean, you gotta be careful, obviously, especially with something like Watson where it's you know, like eight games we're looking at. Um, I, I, I always regress stuff towards league averages. Um, but you also got to look okay. at the, the player archetype and just how they used Watson. You know, the average depth of target was big. He does project as a big play guy going forward. So I, I do think it's fair to, you know, project him as an above average efficiency guy going forward. Yep. No, that makes sense. Yeah, most of my stuff is is you know two thirds player, one third you know regressing back to league average on stuff, yep. or one third team stuff. So, yep. I was just curious on your process there. That makes sense. So we're sitting on Mixon, Tony Pollard, Cooper Cup, Terry McLaurin, and Jalen Hurts um, coming around to what our turn late in round six, right? Um, yep. Got Dallas Goddard at the top of the queue. Uh, certainly wouldn't mind stacking him with Jalen Hurts. Um, right. David, who have been some of your favorite stacks so far, whether it be ones that you target or ones that you wind up with just based on value? Uh, Dallas Goddard's my number one value uh, tight end right now. I think he's he's going too low. I think he could be tight end three to four. I think and... you and Jared just got engaged. <laughs> Is that Are you very high on him? Oh, yeah. I love, I love Goddard, yeah. Oh, excellent. Well... God willing, he falls two more spots to us here then. These but, guys both uh, get tight ends, so hopefully. No, his numbers when he came back, I mean, he just commanded targets away from two of the best receivers in the league. It was incredible. Like, if you look at that alone and don't look at anything else, like, Jalen Hurts is awesome. Their offense is awesome. Like, that that could make its own case. But you put everything together, and he's a slam dunk for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, I do think we probably get more passing in Philly 
this year too. You know, they played with so many. It was um, John super Daigle, easy schedule last yeah, year, right? Yeah, I mean, they're probably going to be trailing a bit more. John Daigle pointed out, I think, I think the number is Jalen Hurts averaged like eleven pass attempts per game in the, in the second half of games last <laughs> yeah, season. I saw that. They're, too. Yeah, they're, just, they're playing with leads. They're, they're milking. Um, all right, we want Goddard here. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, two of these teams between us don't have a tight end. Uh, I, I do like Traylon Burks, but I think Goddard um, is stuck. I, I don't here. think we can afford to risk that because then we're we're stuck with pretty much Swift or Penny as any other stack, right? Yep, agreed. Yeah, I would say that it, it would be a, a question maybe if we didn't already have Jalen Hurts, but uh, it, it would yeah. be Goddard for me there. And I'm big on Burks this year as well. David, what do you think about Traylon Burks this season? Oh, there he goes. No, I love him. He was a he was my Z score favorite uh, from my rookie model. So nice. Garrett, it was only like point two points between him and Garrett Wilson. And I also was higher than a lot of uh, rankers on Garrett Wilson too. But uh, I think uh, Burks comes back around like zero target share there in Tennessee, which yeah. you know you can paint as a good or bad thing, right? A defense can focus on him then, or he earns all the targets to himself. But I, I think he's a great player, and I think he'll come around big this year. I and hope Tannehill stays starting as well. But. Yeah, right. That's where I think the player comes in is if it's somebody who's a limited player and he's their number one receiver, then you maybe worry about attention. But if it's somebody who made his mark right away in the SEC, then I'm going to go ahead and bet mm-hmm. on him. And I was actually just looking at Titans numbers yesterday. And even though they didn't throw the ball a whole lot last year, they vacated a whole lot of targets between last year's roster and this year's. And their biggest addition was Chris yeah. Moore who has yeah. 116 career catches through seven seasons yep. is probably not even going to be among their top three. So there's Boy. as much as Traylon Burks wants available to him. I'm pretty heavy wide receiver here normally, but if you guys yeah. want acres, that's going to be a, a, you two got to vote on that one. I, I love acres. I, I do think we kind of need to go wide out here. Wide I think, I think wide out the two Bateman. you got are good. Sure. I like uh, Quentin as well, but Bateman looks good too. Go Bateman. Little head ADP, but he probably wasn't getting back to us. No. Now, David, would you differ there if we had three wide receivers and one running back at that pick? Or is it just a range where you're talking? Yeah, maybe. I really like Akers' kind of playoff schedule. I still think he might be a little overvalued with their O-line, and they're going to be back to passing a lot. So I get in a Cam Akers argument every single offseason on Twitter, and it's it's just (laughs) all-out warfare because the Cam Akers users come hard, right? But uh, there's always so much context behind his great runs. Like Cooper Cup went down and Allen Robinson got hurt and Higby was even banged up. And like, who are they throwing to? Van Jefferson and Tutu? Of course, they're running the ball a lot. And he was getting a ton of volume. And Kyron Williams was even banged up. So they had so much going on. And he was like, and he was good, right? But he was definitely funneled touches in my opinion and a very similar thing happened in his daryl henderson shared split days when henderson got hurt he kind of went on his runs when henderson was in there he 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 tampered back a bit but no he's one that i i can't get away from uh applying that context (laughs) in my head and it just it never adds up to me and i was higher on him as a rookie coming out so it's not like i've hated the guy forever it just i think he's always super inflated in most drafts but what are your guys thoughts obviously you're you were open to taking him, so you must like him some, right? I, I do, yeah. And I, I, I'm not a Cam Akers truther. I wouldn't uh, consider myself. But I, but, I, but I do like him this year. And, and you're right about the context. And I know we've gone back and forth on Twitter, um, David, about Oh, yeah, Cam two Akers years ago we, uh, we had a chat <laughs> yeah. about it, right? Yeah, I mean, you're right about the context. I also think, I mean, look at what the Rams have done 
in their backfield this offseason, nothing, right? They spent a fifth round True. pick or whatever it was on, on Zach Evans. Um, so I just, I kind of think they're, they're willing to let Akers handle the majority of the work. And there are O-line concerns. For sure. I, I also think though the Rams offense in general should just bounce back and score more points this season with better health from, I from agree. Stafford. Yeah. So, you know, if you're giving me a guy who's going to get 15 to 18 touches per game, which I think is, is possible for Cam Akers and what you know should be a better offense this season, I think where, where he's going here, I mean, he, you know, where do you just go in the eighth round? I mean, I, 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 I'd be willing to take Akers in round six. Like, oh I, I kind of think that I, I kind of think that's where he belongs. That's definitely aggressive compared to me. How about you, Matt? I would not be looking and looking at the draft board that was just up. I would certainly not be taking Cam Akers when Dalvin Cook's still available. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of at market on him. I don't want to be out on Cam Akers versus price, but I don't want to be above market on Cam Akers. I just don't believe in him as, as enough as a player to tout him as a value pick. So yours is more of a player take where we're kind of looking at it from a team standpoint. It's, I, I, it's kind of both because I'm not excited about the Rams either. I think they will be better than last year, but yeah. I also don't think they're going to be good. And I don't think he's good enough to elevate his situation. So I think he's all right. I think his team's at best. All right. So it just makes him not a target for me. And in these tournaments where we need, you know, ceiling outcomes, I don't see it. Right. So could have you made a similar argument to that last year and when he had his, his good playoff runs? I'm playing devil's advocate to myself here, even. Yeah. Could you have made what? It was kind could of have made the same similar argument that we all just did. And then he came back, you know, took the time off from football, whatever that was about, and then had that impressive playoff run. But we're granted on the it was clock, context. By the way, again. are we taking a shot on Javante Williams' knee here, or where are you at, David, on what with what's available? All the reports were real promising, so I, I lean him, Michael Thomas. I don't, uh, I can't see the rest of the queue at the moment, but yeah, one of one of them two looks really good for me. Probably yeah, makes I mean, more sense to do running back here. Alvin yeah. Kamara was still available too. This we're going to take Javante. This tournament is where I want my Javante Williams exposure because I think if he think delivers, gonna it's going to be yeah, it's going to be in the back half of the season. You know, probably even you know, the, the final quarter of the season, and that's that's what you need. And we'll bring that um, playoff schedule chart uh, up at the end of the draft again for anybody on YouTube right now. But looking at the Broncos playoff schedule, they're at Detroit against the Patriots and then against the Chargers at home. So that looks like a pretty sweet lineup of matchups for those three money weeks, right? Yes. So he's sure. he's one of my uh, triple crown guys, I like to call it. Um, he, he shows all better in projections versus the field for me. He's got a great playoff schedule. And he has a wide range of outcomes, right? So we don't yep. know how involved uh, Samaj P. Ryan's really going to be. I, I do believe in Javante's talent a lot. I like what he did when he was active. And uh, Denver as a whole, as a team, I have him bouncing back real hard. Like you said, with the Rams, I have I have Denver bouncing back even more so towards the top end of the league, or topper end, I should say. And they improved their whole line a lot, right? They, they got three three big names coming in there, so and a lot of guys returning from injury. So pretty excited for that O-line to start moving some mountains here. Yeah, the O-line's nice. I like the Sean Payton addition, obviously. Yep. Wilson, Wilson's the big question mark for me, um, you know, just at, at his age. And even, you know, I think people forget, even two years ago, it was last year in Seattle, he, he was not that good. So it's not so just on, last year that he should On the clock again with one quarterback, three running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end. Jameson Williams is in there. Juju Smith-Schuster. Tyler Boyd, Odell Beckham, the top wide receivers available. Who do you guys like? 
Nothing really stands out to me, honestly. You got you guys uh, have a, Juju and Njoku. Yeah, I love Njoku. Do you want to kind of take? I him would be fine being done. Yep. Be done at tight end. Did I get him? Oh shit! Auto picked <laughs> Richardson. Uh oh. Oh no! Oh, man. Gotta work the queue. Oh, we gotta yeah queue him up. <laughs> My fault. Oh, yeah, at least he's got a different bye week. That's all right. <laughs> Hey, they play. Uh, they play story. Vegas week seventeen, right? So yeah. he's he's got a big big ceiling. So be good, good, good at quarterback. Wins wins three mil. <laughs> well, it's folks, we're trying to do how to draft the team. Sometimes it turns into how not to draft the team, and not having right. somebody in your queue is not the way to do it. Especially if you're talking to people about who to pick. So um, it looked like we were leaning David and Joku. I would certainly be fine with him being the pick next turn if he's still on the board. It's it is a tough range at wide receiver. Jameson Williams has that kind of late season upside, where I think he's more yeah. attractive in a tournament. Tough to know exactly what he looks like on the field because we haven't seen much of it yet, though. And, and even yeah. even with him, like I like Williams better if he's my wide receiver five, right? And on a team that went wide receiver heavy or earlier, um, just yeah. uh, counting on him as a, as a fourth wide, I'd rather get someone that, that, that I do think has you know a, a bit higher of a floor. Mm-hmm. Right, especially I'm, with I'm the eighteen roster spots him. where you can't pair him with Marvin Jones. Right. So, David, any favorite wide receivers among the guys left on the board here? I still like Boyd. You know, I'm on him every year, so it gets kind of old, I guess. But I don't mind double tapping uh, Baltimore receivers. They got all pass funnel defenses in the playoffs, and if they are going to pass more, you know, we could benefit from that. You like Sky more? I see. I think he's worth a shot. Um, again, in a tournament like this. Um... I just kind of dug into him for our draft sharks profiles, and I and I, I I tweeted that you know not a surprise he didn't do much last year. He was a quarterback and cornerback in high school, right? Oh, and yeah. Then he then he then he goes to Western Michigan, transfers to to wide receiver as a freshman. You know, spends just three years in college. One of those was a COVID shortened year. I think he only played like thirty college. So he has he has thirty games of experience at wide receiver, and it came against you know lower level competition. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I, I I know it's not good when a guy does as little as he did as a rookie, but I do think he was a, a nice looking prospect coming out and he's still tied to Pat Mahomes and there's still, you know, plenty of opportunity in that wide receiver course. I, I think there's still a path for Sky Moore. How are you projecting these wideouts in Kansas City, dude? Oh, I would have to pull it up because it gives me a headache every time I look at it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't do that then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I'm bigger on MVS than the field, I know. <clears throat> that sounds like a projections guy talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like mvs versus the field tony i have to i have to like force inflate his numbers to to make it make sense because i can't just project his efficiency year out for his targets per route run and stuff like that that just doesn't yeah. add up to me personally and i know we have our our differences on tony right um hey jared so, and i have our differences on tony <laughs> <laughs> so I, i'm much lower on tony as well even though I like I pump his numbers up just because I, d- I don't truly know how to do it. And then the rest are kind of long shots, right? I don't know exactly how they would be used. I did like Sky Moore's profile a lot, and I dislike Rashi Rice's profile a lot. But he's the most recent draft book they took, and they spent a lot to get him. So I've actually ended up with more Rashi Rice than Sky Moore because I think he, he fits their offense maybe a little better with uh, Kadarius and Sky kind of overlapping roles a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. I know they've um, the Chiefs have mentioned uh, Rice as like a potential Juju replacement. Somebody that can kind of play 
inside and outside. I think they're kind of similar sized even. Um, I, I'm with you. I think Sky Moore had the better you know, prospect profile. And Sky Moore was a second round pick too. Right. I can't remember exactly you know, who went earlier in round two, cool. but you know, draft yeah. capitalized there. Sky Moore, Zay Jones, Jacoby Myers, and Michael Gallup are the receivers yep. right here. I don't mind Jacoby. I like Gallup a lot. I think he's going to continue to rise this offseason. Uh, Jacoby projects out really well for me, personally. But... Yeah, I think I think I even have Myers projected highest. I do worry about upside with him. That's true. I like, I like Myers. But he come, comes well with a bring back for Richardson, I guess, for week 17 at least. All right. All right, Myers it is. Our boy Anthony Richardson that we were that we went out <laughs> yeah. on a limb for. We go ahead and week seventeen stack him. If we I mean if we can if we can figure this out at wide receiver, I mean I I, like, I, you know, I feel like we're hurting at wide out, but um we are I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this team so far. That's okay. It's looking like a nine for sure. At least a nine wide receiver build, I think. For sure. But. Star guy Nico, who Oh yeah. I have, Still I, like have, him. I have I have a, a ton of yeah, so he's already plus twenty percent. At least would be uh, two quarterbacks, which we're done with already. Five yeah. running back, nine wide out, and two tight ends. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the way to go. I mean, yeah, that's the way I'm leaning right now. I'm, I'm willing to go four running backs. Sometimes I would not do it with Javante Williams being one of our three. And the double bye week. Back. That's the and the double bye. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to have to be a five running back team. I think so too. I, I'm fine taking them real late though. For, yep, for this for sure. particular build. I think we got a hammer wide yeah. receiver for quite a while here mm-hmm. or a tight end to end that. David, how do you feel about Nico Collins? And I guess by extension, other Texans wide receivers as he comes up with somebody in our queue now. Right. Another, another really gross one to project, right? Like there's, there's so many names. There's so many new faces. Uh, Nico's my number one by a long shot. He really pops in my uh, wide receiver model. And I have him down from that. So if he reaches his ceiling of what my models think, he's going to do even better than what my already bullish projection has on him. So, so we're like I'm Gallup or Nico Collins right here in, in round 11? It's, uh, it's, it's Nico for me. It's Nico, yeah. Who are you there, Matt? Are you Gallup? I would want both guys. So I don't have any strong between them. You only get one pick. Can't have them both. Yeah, no, that's not that's not the case. <laughs> Each draft you get one pick, but you can't draft it like you're just drafting one team. Right. Um, I I want plenty of Gallup, especially now that they're talking up how he's looking in practice. I mean, um, yeah, I think he's a, a nice value even with Brandon Cooks around. And like this is the format where I want Gallup. Once we get to lineup setting, I don't I don't want Gallup around because he's just gonna make me angry when he's not getting any more than six targets a game. <laughs> no, I, I think he has really good ceiling there. And, you know, there's there's a lot of target volume to go around with Schultz gone too and the, the way they've kind of changed things up. But I, I like Brian and Cooks a lot. I think I think I'm fine taking every Cowboys wide receiver at cost right now. Yeah, just just hope uh Schottenheimer doesn't neuter that passing game too badly. Oh yeah. I I have them tempered back on pass volume yeah. and play rate because of him. But I mean the, the I mean the thing is they, they weren't pass heavy last year. I think that's what some people are missing. Just because right? they were so, so like fast. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were fast. Yeah, which, you know, maybe, hopefully they'll stay fast. I do think Dak, Dak Prescott has something to do with that. Yeah, but it's it's not like they're going from this, you know, team that was 62% pass last year and they're going to be, you know, 55 this year. It's not, I don't think it's going to be too big of a change as far as, you know, pass volume goes. Well, they also didn't have a whole lot of receiving production outside of CD Lamb last year. Uh, right, Dalton yeah. Schultz to some degree, but. Yeah. 
Why do you roll your eyes when you say Dalton Schultz? He got me to the BBM final last year. <laughs> Dalton Schultz. He's, oh, he's, he's great, man. He's somebody that I'm drafting not at all. I think I have one accidental auto pick of him this year across all of my drafts. Oh, he's my uh, third or fourth highest on tight end right now, I think. <laughs> has well, he, like, has, like has we just fallen? talked. Has he fallen in ADP? I feel like he was higher than tight end 13. I can check. I'll, I'll pull he up slipped the a list tiny bit, here. probably behind. He's now the second Dalton in ADP, whereas he used to be the first one. <laughs> he has fallen seven spots since the opening okay. of BBM. It's probably more that Kincaid and, and Chig have passed him. Risen. Yeah. Sure. But uh, I think JJ Zacharyson did a study on tight ends that can lead their team in receiving, like when they're kind of ambiguous, so to speak. And yep. I I don't think Schultz, Dalton Schultz is that far off from having a chance at that. Like we said, we like Nico, but and their yeah. playoff schedule is gorgeous. Tennessee twice, and then they got Cleveland, so not great there. But Tennessee was, what, the most pass-funnel defense in the league, and then they kind of mm-hmm. gutted their entire team this year as well. So yeah, really I mean, like he, the pass catchers. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had decent target shares in, in Dallas alongside you know some some pretty stiff wide receiver competition you got a you got a True. okay you got an okay contract from houston like that you know he's clearly their their guy um yeah he's, he's not exciting but I, I do think he you know he, he's gonna finish top 10 among tight ends and targets if he stays healthy hey that's why we bring a different voice in to try to talk in some ideas that haven't <laughs> been tossed around so man we'll, we'll see maybe i'll mix in a couple of dalton schultz's but i can't say chig <laughs> Conquo is a player worth talking about david how where are you at on him again because i already know about jared and he's somebody we've talked about quite a bit behind the curtain i think he's okay is the best way i kind of put it I'm not excited when I draft him at all. I don't think his his ceiling's very high. I I forget how small he is a lot of the times. So he's he's kind of a a little bit of a smaller tight end guy, right? He's Jordan Reed. (laughs) That's that's a a perfect comp, right? Uh, No, yeah, I'm I'm just a little little sheepish on him most of the time. I'd probably take him here. I like Osborne, Schultz, and Chig, I guess. Jaden Reed's available. I know Matt likes him. <laughs> See, well, I I liked him I like before. the tight ends here. I'm not yeah. huge on tight end. Jayden sounds okay. Tight end. So you guys like you guys like this one. I like Dulcich among them, but I'm okay with any of them. So Chigakonkwo, I think, is somebody who would be uh, nice if he were tight end 15 or 16. I think at tight end 12, he's no longer exciting to me because I think that's right around his ceiling, and I think that the floor is that he doesn't spend more than the 55% of the time on the field that the top Titans tight end did last year. And I mean, you know, we'll see about the the blocking portion. There's big changes at tight end along with receiver there. So I, I don't know what they're going to do, but like I said, none of their tight ends spent more than 55% of the time on the field. We've been through this before with the Mike Vrabel coaching staff with Johnny Smith, where we're like, okay, now there's opportunity for him to stay on the field more. And he just didn't. So it might just be how they're going to apply their tight ends. And then that applies the ceiling in what's already not a very pass friendly offense. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's just, he, he's their second best pass catcher, like clearly to me. So it'd be crazy for him not to be on the field for, you know, the vast majority of passing plays. You know, we, we don't care about running plays. He can come off the field for those. Um, yeah, but their I, second I, best I, pass catcher was caught like 42 balls last year. Yeah. Which ain't bad at tight end. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
I think but, uh, the, I mean, the yeah. other factor that keeps me from liking anybody a lot in that range is I don't see any difference at all between their upside and Hayden Hurst much later. I'm, I'm much I mean, more in your camp, Matt, of I, I don't see his ceiling case at all. Like Dolchitz, I can see a ceiling case. Schultz, I, he can lead his team, right? Chig, I don't. I don't see any more ceiling than what he's being drafted at. Let's get Dolchich out of the queue. I guess we don't accidentally auto him. Yep. You guys have a uh, Tank Bigsby around here. Yeah, I mean, Roshan Bigsby. I like Algier a lot. Really? Is, is more than a handcuff? I think he has standalone value personally, but we don't have to take him here necessarily. You, right? like, you like Bigsby? Bigsby? Yep, he's fine. Okay. All right. All right, Bigsby it is. So we're at 7799. Who I've been talking. For, uh, the, the last point I wanted to make about Tennessee, and I feel like I've been saying this for the past couple of years, is their defense is just bad, and they're just not going to be a good team. Like at some at some point, you got to think, you know, not necessarily even the, the wheels fall off Henry, but just if they're they're in more trailing game scripts, the the pass rate comes up at least a little bit when it's been. I mean, to me, the the upside case for for Chig is, I mean, one, he he's a he's a big play tight end, right? I mean, his profile is at his speed. Um, coming into the league and then what he showed last year, but two, I, ju- I just think he's a guy who you know could earn an eighteen percent target share because of the combination of his talent plus what else is in that offense. And if he does that, like he's you know he's very likely you know, ten tight end at minimum. Did he have many red zone targets? I I truly don't know. Or where is was it all big plays that most of his points came from? I don't know offhand either. The catch. Yeah, I don't have those numbers in front of me right now, but I think he's yeah. more of a run after catch guy so far. Yeah. My my memories, whenever I picture him, it's it's you know running, you know twenty yards to get into yeah. the end zone if he if he makes it there. He, but he had six targets in the red zone and three inside the ten, which you know he only had forty six targets last year. So yeah, he didn't play a ton, so that's yeah. okay, right? And that was actually all of Tennessee's targets in that range too. <laughs> <laughs> actually, let me let me pull this back up. And also, he had a um, seven point six air at eight which you know is on the lower side even for a tight end. He actually tied for the team lead in um, targets inside the ten with with a bunch of other guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's more impressive than I thought it was going to be. So. <laughs> Again, I, mean, I think they'd be I think they'd be stupid not to make him a big part of their passing game, just considering what else they have there. He's fine. Yeah. Not a player I hate, but not a player I love either. Um, David, Tyler Algier, what's the case for loving him? Oh, my God. He popped so so much in my rushing yards over expected, the analytics version. I mean, yeah. he looked tremendous in there. And, you know, over 1,000 yards as a rookie, I don't care if he was a sixth-round pick or whatever he was. Um, I, I was higher on his profile than most. I, I do that uh, strength in numbers kind of little tournament I do with rookie rankings and I, I had him highest by, I think, three spots compared to the field for running backs. And so I am a little higher on him. I am definitely have bias showing, so I need you guys to level me out there. <laughs> but uh, leading all rookies in rushing yards over expected for me is a, is a big signal, personally. Yep. I, I really like that. I think I don't think Bajan's going to be an 80% snap guy or 75 even. I, I believe him when they say it's no longer a workhorse for the league. I think uh, the... Running back coach or offensive coordinator said that this week as well. And that's what I was expecting, right? A pretty good split, like 65-35 split even. I don't think they race Algier out of there. And their playoff schedule is gorgeous. It's one of the best for running backs out there. They got, let's see, Carolina, Indianapolis, and Chicago. Just, you know, they're going to be soft defenses that they're running against. I don't know if they get ahead We're and on the put clock. Algier more in. We're on the clock here, sorry. I'll let you pick okay. back up after we make a pick here. Um, Man, it's all it's all quarterbacks and tight ends top in the 
Yeah. Do you guys like, um, I mean, I guess do you like, uh, I think we're not taking a quarterback or tight end, right? I like Curtis Samuel best. He's a guy who comes out quite a bit higher than ADP in my projections. Yeah, I think he's fine. Um, I like that Eric Bieniemy's there now because yep. he, he likes using players like that, right? So I'm excited for him and Gibson in their kind of multi roles that they can play under him. So I hope yep. they I hope they play to that this year. Also, that gives a, that double taps us on Washington receivers yep. too. Who, who else? Do you guys like anything else? Um, I mean, you know, Downs would give us a stack with Richardson if we're at all interested in that. Is Alec Pierce already um, gone? Yeah, Pierce is gone. I had him queued up at one point. Oh uh, boy. Or you guys add on, add on uh, Rashid Shahid. I, w- I would prefer a lot of people to Josh Downs. I don't think they're going to pass yeah, most, yeah. and I think he's the wide receiver three. I agree. And I just, I just don't know that he can pay off. This is a range where I kind of talk myself into Hunter Renfro on the chance that he gets traded. Yeah, I got a lot of Jacoby and Renfro stacks. Stacks. Just the wide <laughs> receiver pairing. I think everyone's so cool on Jimmy Garoppolo that they're knocking these uh, second and third options. You know, Waller isn't there. Renfro flourished when Waller was out. You know, he got yeah. peppered with targets. So that's yeah, Myers and Renfro, they're, how they're deployed just overlaps. So, right. which I do think is, you know, we're on the talk area, now. Right. We got Hunter Renfro, Josh Downs, Robert Woods, somebody I like the target upside on, a little bit less attractive than half PPR. Shakir? Uh, I think Hardman. we can wait on him. But who's who's down a little further? I know we're getting well past ADP, but not a whole lot, huh? We're taking we're taking Renfro. You guys uh, mind targeting Marvin Jones or Russell Gage late? I know we need wide receiver help, so those are two of my favorite uh, later round ones. Um, no, I don't. I don't mind it. Detroit pairs sure. with Pollard as well, so that's a common that's common a pairing point. for me. That's a good if point. I miss I like out. Yep, I like that. Can you scroll through our team one more time? So it's Hurts and Richardson at quarterback, so we're, we're done there. Pollard, Mixon, Javante Williams, and Tank Bigsby, probably adding one more there. Cooper Cup, McLaurin, Rashad Bateman, Myers, Nico Collins, Curtis Samuel, and Hunter Renfro. And then Goddard and Chico Conklas. We're done at tight end, I think, right? So we're looking probably looking one more running back and uh, two more wideouts. Yeah, who are you guys' uh, favorite late-round wide receiver targets? Sorry we couldn't take uh, Hunter Henry for you in this draft, Matt. <laughs> He's a favorite of mine, round 18 pick. Just uh, money yeah. if you need a second or third tight end. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a lot of the 20-round drafters drafts, and so he – I'm. I'm typically taking three tight ends, which makes him an easy favorite for me there, especially because I'm also generally taking three quarterbacks for those 20 person rosters. And I mean, Mac Jones, Hunter Henry is free at the end of that draft. So anything they do for him is great. The ultimate safety nets at uh, quarterback and tight end for me as well. (laughs) Right. So I just queued up. I I have um, trouble loving any of the very end of the draft wide receiver options. What about you, Jared? I just queued up two rookies, Michael Wilson and Cedric Tillman. Tillman's just a, a play on his talent. I, I like the prospect, and I am big on the Browns passing game in particular this season. I know there's you know a lot of bodies in front of Tillman right now, but you know think, things happen. You know, maybe by the end of the year, he's carved out a role in what I expect to be a, a really strong passing game. And Wilson, more about just the situation, obviously, after um, DeAndre Hopkins was released. Like, they, they need – and they need another outside receiver, right? I mean, I pray they do not stick Rondell Moore on the outside again like they tried to at times last year because that did not work. So, I mean, really, I think there's a chance it's Marquise Brown and Michael Wilson 
as their two outside wide receivers. I mean, and they, they spent a third round pick on Michael Wilson. It's not like he was a day three guy. Um, you know, not a prospect I loved. I know some film guys liked him quite a bit. Um, you know, he dealt with a bunch of in- injuries at Stanford, but um, Wilson would also give us the um, week 17 correlation with, with the Hertz Goddard stack. Cause it's, it's Philly, Arizona in week 17. I've, I've seen the hype on him. I haven't clicked him yet, but you know, that's a, that's a fair point. He has the body type to be outside. Right. And yep. that should get him lots of playing time. I have, I have no clue on his level of talent. He, he didn't even register in, in my database for, for most, yeah. uh, most of his metrics. So that, that would be a pure film player yep. for, uh, for me. If he seemed like a surprise when we pick. That, that's how I show it as well. Who are your favorite late round wideouts, David? And I guess actually before we get to that, since we're three picks away, um, how are you feeling on Khalil Shakir and any of the other wide receivers that we have queued up right now? I think we have some favorites that we can get in the last round where I'd, I'd probably lean running back here to get our, our, our fifth. And yep. then we got, we got a lot of wide receiver options to choose from, all of which aren't great, right? But um, I like Fournette. I like Zach Evans. I like Clyde. Yeah, I've, I've been drafting more CEH than I care to admit. <laughs> He's usually there in round 18. So, um, That's right. I don't even know if we need to take him. I would go Shakir here and then come back with a running back. Okay. Are you guys good with that? Sure. Then we can come back with a. Uh, Do you think uh, Shakir has the edge on uh, Trent Sherfield right now? It seems like Sherfield has all the buzz in camp right now. Isn't, Man, does, I... Doesn't Trent Sherfield always <laughs> buzz around this time of year? Yeah. <laughs> He he's I, 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 he's 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 been in the league long enough. Like I, I just think he's like a fourth or fifth wide receiver. I, I mean, if Shakir can't beat him out, then there's you know other other issues, and Shakir wasn't gonna be a thing anyways. If they started no pads league. He's gonna be a star. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the favorite this turn? We got one more pick before ours. If we want Marvin Jones, we should probably take him here. I'd be okay with taking a running back and then just seeing which of these wideouts gets. Yeah, I'm us. okay running back. I don't like okay. missing out on this tier. If if yep. we need a fifth one, um, who do you guys, do you guys like have most a of those? reference? I like, I like all three of those. Those are common common round seventeen eighteen picks for my fifth. So, Matt, yeah, I'm I'm fine with those. I personally lean Gus Edwards over them because I'm chasing the Baltimore offense, but I'm not. I don't have an argument against them other than Zach Evans, who I just don't like at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm out on I'm out on Evans too. <laughs> okay. All right, David, pick between Fournette and Ceh for us. Oh, uh, let's, let's go Clyde. Yeah. So yeah, Zach I mean, Evans for me, I especially don't like Zach Evans because he's going ahead of Kyron Williams. And I don't have any reason right now to believe that he would be ahead of Kyron Williams on the depth chart. So until I have that confirmed for me, I would much rather wait until the end of the draft and take Kyron Williams, who's not going to be taken in every draft and would, would make my team, you know, closer to unique that way, than take a player that I don't like um, earlier in the draft, just because, everybody else is. Yep. For me, he's, he's a fade on uh, acres and them potentially being out of the playoff race and wanting to see what they want to get from them, especially with their playoff schedule being somewhat running back favorable. So that's, it's kind of three things need to really happen there, I guess. So, but uh, it's round 18, right? Or exactly. round 17. Exactly. You gotta, gotta find something to hold on to and just go with it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really in another, either of those other Rams backs, which, 
maybe is why I like Cam Akers more than you guys as well. <laughs> I'm not in on any of them, but if I one <laughs> yeah. I have to choose over the other two, I'm going to take the one that nobody wants just for that reason because it's the very end of the draft and I can see the path for him at, at least as easily as Zach Evans, if not easier. I noticed uh, when I mentioned Leonard Fournette that didn't quite spark a twinkle in either of your guys' eye there for uh, <laughs> for drafting him late, huh? I mean, I, I love Fournette. He made me a lot of money two years ago. I, I just, you know, you got to hop off these running backs and yeah, as, as they age. And the fact, the fact that he's still unsigned as of now, I mean, he, he's going to catch on somewhere. Right. Maybe it's a good spot and maybe he still, you know, catches 30 or 40 balls, but. that That's where it's tough for me is I'm not sure he's got the, he's I'm, I'm not sure he's a definite to latch on because he stunk last year and he's old and he's big. And I, I, I don't, I don't think he's a given. So that's what would stop me. The the pass protection and receiving profile always gets me. And I've right. always had to battle against the Fernet haters over the years. So I'm a definitely another personal bias. I was, yeah, I was, I was with you uh, the past, two, even last year. I liked him. Yep. He was on my BBM final team again. Yeah, I was gonna say I mean, he was he he was he was fine, especially in full PPR leagues. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of hopping off that train this year. <laughs> I suppose, by the way, that I can't argue too much against Josh Downs in the last round if he makes it there twenty spots after ADP and stacks with our quarterback. But he just and he just he mind. just went off the board. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with Marvin Jones. I think Wilson would be my um, next pick if Jones comes off the board. I would put Gage in the queue as well, just as an option if some of these guys go. I really, really like uh, Gage as a late pick when I do zero wide receiver builds, but this isn't that, so it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, you know, my oh, uh, there goes Marvin. Yeah, there goes Marv. My thing with Gage and the Bucks wide receivers in general, I do think there's going to be just a massive drop in pass volume there this year. Oh, absolutely! But I think I got like a ten. 10% decrease. So you got something like that too. And yeah, I mean, but I think both I mean, pass rates coming down and I think just total play volume is coming down, you know, combined those two, it's pretty, pretty drastic and efficiency, yes. of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So but, I, most people aren't looking at Russell Gage, but for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, David, how is it affecting those guys? I mean, they're both going later than you would have typically expected in previous seasons. Are they values for you or is it like, nah, that's where they belong? I was fading them hard early and they've fallen since, which is in my opinion, rightfully so. So I've, I've started taking Godwin a good bit. I've always been a big fan and he pops in some of my underlying metrics models and, you know, completions mm-hmm. over expected and stuff like that. Evans, I do think is on the downslope, you know, barring that week 17 savior game last <laughs> year. Uh, he was not having a great year. So I, I think Godwin's still on the rise. Edwin's kind of pe- or Evans kind of peaked and gauges, yeah. you know, who he is like, which is pretty good, you know, for a wide receiver three in most offenses. I do think one of them gets traded between Godwin and Evans. Oh, there you go. That, that'd make Gage interesting. Around the clock here. You guys like, I'm agnostic yeah. on this. Wilson or Gage works for me. I think they make more sense for a team. Yeah. It's the, that's like Wilson just for the week 17 correlation. Sounds good. All right. That's the squad. So Michael Wilson is the thrilling round 18 pick to close <laughs> out this BVM four entry. Um, that gives us nine receivers, right? We did yep. go with five running backs, two quarterbacks, two tight ends, Anthony Richardson, the accidental second quarterback, but there is the upside. And certainly by the end of the year, he will almost definitely be in the lineup. Uh, I'll be curious to see how early it is because it doesn't sound like the Colts are in line with the thinking that Anthony Richardson is arriving, especially raw and is, you know, yeah. even 
possibility to sit out his first year to develop. It sounds like they're more along the lines of thinking that he's close to ready to enter the lineup. And obviously Gardner Minshew is not keeping anybody on the sideline. <laughs> well, was it, yeah. Well, I mean, was it Ursay or Ballard who the way I read the quote was like, we're okay if we suck this year. Cause we know Richardson to, to improve has to get out there. So even if, even if he's not quote unquote ready, we're going to throw him out there. Cause that's how this guy's going to get better. So yeah, I, I expect him to, being there early um we got i mean we did get him six picks past adp and i think his adp is going to continue to rise um i don't know maybe a hurts richardson combo is probably on the rarer side so just trying to you know convince myself that the richardson auto pick wasn't like, the worst <laughs> thing in the world the way i was playing it through like i was doing the same thing trying to convince myself and i go the perfect scenario is hurts gets hurt for three to four weeks where richardson goes off during those three to four weeks. So that that's our in or misses one playoff week game and where Richardson goes off. And then, then we have the most unique team in the field, right? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Any other particular notes from that squad? Let's see. I got it written down here. I think our wide receivers turned out. Okay. You know, they're not fantastic. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yep. I think they'll, They'll work, I guess. We need we need one of our running backs, you know, to pop pretty good. Uh, Javante may start slow, so that's a little concerning. I don't know that we have a ton of firepower to carry us till he's he's in there with with uh, Pollard and Mixon. As long but, as he's going by week seven, when Pollard and Mixon hit their bye, we're in we're in good shape. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yep. yep, that's a good way to look at it. No, I really do like him though. Like in that offense coming around, and I think. I do think Peyton loves using his running backs a lot. So I'm, I'm excited for him now that uh, injury reports are coming out real positive. I know some of the injury docs out there are, are pretty skeptical and they always got that, you know, first year after yeah. injury lull, mm -hmm. but I think he's young enough and he's good enough. And what I saw him doing in practice was, you know, pretty convincing to me, a guy who doesn't know shit about injury stuff, but the, the well, cuts no, it, it was, and, good. Yeah, it was, it was convincing to the, the Twitter docs you're talking about too, which I thought was encouraging. I mean, I, I've, I've vacillated back and forth on Javante all off season. Cause you know, I, I definitely believe in the talent. I think, like you said, the offense does have bounce back potential. The O line is going to be better this year. Um, but I mean, the more I read about the injury, like the, you know, two ligaments and some other part of the knee I'd really never heard of before. <laughs> I learned that Williams tore it. Um, yeah. It's it, it actually a kind of a similar injury to what Dobbins suffered. And, you know, he, he didn't um, do much to like, the final month. Yeah. The docs season. I so follow that's... compare him to Dobbins a lot, like you said, yeah. and they say he's way ahead of schedule of what Dobbins was, but no, yeah. it's funny. I did a, I did a tweet. I was kind of being sarcastic about it and, go, how is Javante practicing already? I thought all that was holding his knee together was a couple of thin, <laughs> thin strings of cotton that's all that <laughs> remains but <laughs> so, so uh, yeah it's impressive to see him out there yeah uh, we'll certainly be watching him throughout the summer but it would be a lot it would be a lot easier to be off of him if he weren't going so late i think it's easier to take some shots without being overweight on javante williams where he's going we cut off the talk of the playoff schedule early on to jump into the draft so let's just hit that chart again real quick before we get out of here um, David, we referenced it before, um, but anybody who's not watching, you might be listening. 
it's a chart that that's showing the not just the week 17 stuff, but the three week playoff matchups, um, 15, 16, 17 on this BBM schedule where all of those are, you know, you got to win this week to move on to the next round. So it really is important to look beyond that week 17. How big a role is this chart, these matchups, how much are they factoring into your draft? Um, it's, it's really heavy this year because with BBM, unlike years past and some other tournaments, it's, it's one of 16 advance each round, 15 and 16 to get to the final. And to me, that's, that's awfully daunting, you know, before as, you know, one of 10 sometimes or two of 20 or depending the tournament, right. But almost all of them were higher than what this is because of the regular season payouts. So it's one of 16 to advance. So I think there should be heavier focus on weeks 15 and 16 this year. So that's what I'm trying to emphasize in this. Obviously week 17 is still most important, like to win $3 million, you have to have a, a spot on week 17 lineup and to get there. So that, that that's clearly the most important yet, but this just kind of gives you a nice overall picture. In my opinion, like you see Eagles are just have a cake schedule for the defenses they face. So we got Hertz and Goddard in our particular team we just drafted. So that bodes well for that, unless they just go run heavy the whole time. But that's, that's a good reason why I'm super overweight on Penny and Swift this year is, is because of this. Both the team, I think they're good players, and then they just have a cake playoff schedule. So this kind of shows uh, the defense, how many points they're projected to allow versus the average defense. So you can see Eagles have the second easiest schedule as far as points allowed defenses they face, uh, Saints being number one. So I, I kind of throw their average spread per game in there. Eagles, again, heavy favorites in there. Uh, the funnel defenses, and the funnel is strictly based on last year, and defenses change a lot, right? As, mm -hmm. as Matt can probably, if, if I incorporated some of your thoughts into this, Matt, it would probably make it a lot more powerful, right, and, uh, and hold up in predictability. But uh, I, I think it's a good start. It shows game totals in there as far as projections, too. So I kind of identified shootouts like Vikings have a lot of shootout games with Cincy, Detroit and Green Bay and some other stuff like that. I think the Lions do as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of things to look at. It's a lot to consider. But the more you study it and the more you, you know, play into your value plays along with playoffs, I think gives you the biggest edge that you can. You got to combine everything together. Looking at one isolated thing is never enough. Like, right. And with all the info out there, we're stacking micro edges to try to create yeah. an edge overall, right? Exactly. That's why I like, uh, I, I call them triple crown players. So, so someone that hits everything I look at. So yeah. So what so, is that triple crown for you? The triple crown. Oh, that's uh, a guy who's a value in my projections versus ADP, just from a points over replacement standpoint, um, a good playoff schedule and a wide range of outcomes. So that's why I kind of mentioned on Javante, he, he hits that. Right really well uh the eagles running backs hit that well um you know uh, since he wide receivers i guess they're wide they don't have a wide range of outcomes they're going to be really good but they, they got everything else going for them in my opinion well check him out at david zock 16 z-a-c-h 16 on twitter uh, fellow supporter of quentin johnston and tyler lockett david thank you for joining us today and drafting a team together yeah, thanks for having me. I've always looked up to you guys and your work, so really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been a blast, so hope to, hope to see you guys more this offseason. I'm sure we will uh, be arguing on some stuff on Twitter, as always. So. That's right. We'll be out in them streets. <laughs> yeah.
The draft room, of course, on DraftSharks.com is waiting to help you build out your best ball portfolio right now. Sync with Underdog. You will get the sidebar in your draft room to help you keep track of the best picks as you go. You can also sync with just about any other uh, league hosting site that you're playing on. You get sidebars in some of them. You get the picks in the draft war room in all of them. We're here to help. For our guest, David Zock, my pal, Jared Small, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.